Hello and welcome to the Voices of Bluescope podcast, where we meet the people who work behind the scenes at Bluescope to create strength every day. I'm your host, Martin Feld. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're joined by Jill Harmon, who is the Internal Communication and Engagement Manager at Bluescope Buildings North America. She's also the Director of the Bluescope Foundation in the United States. How are you today, Jill? Hey, Martin. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Could you tell us about your role and what the Bluescope Foundation is all about? Yeah, sure, Martin. Um, so I, I do have a multifaceted role, as you were saying, internal communications and engagement manager, uh, and then also the foundation director. And really what what all, all of these things encompass, um, it's engaging our people and connecting with our community. With the foundation, it has a long history in the U.S. It's been around since 1952. And it was started with the uh, leadership of Butler Manufacturing. They had several profitable years and decided to take some of those funds and set them aside uh, to give back to the community. And some of their first grants they made were to the Boy Scouts. Uh, they gave some to a scholarship fund and then also uh, an association that helped individuals that were blind or visually impaired. And so when they set up this foundation, they really wanted something that would be sustainable into the future uh, to give back to the communities that supported their business. And so I feel very fortunate that I get to be a, a part of this role and uh, get to connect with, with our employees all across the U.S. And then also with these agencies, uh, some that we have a really long history of support with. When did you first join Blue Scope in the U.S. and how did you come to be involved in the foundation? Um, I've actually, I started in 1999 as a contractor. I was, I was a student. Then I started doing the foundation role. It's been about 15 years ago. And the reason I got involved, um, I did a lot of volunteer work. And so um, in my free time, I like to volunteer at several different agencies. I was a literacy tutor. I, I volunteered at Alpha Point Association for the Blind uh, for over 15 years, teaching an art class to visually impaired and blind individuals on the weekends. Um, and at the time, my manager was aware of the different volunteer work I did. And she's, she said, you know, we, we have this opening on the foundation. I think you might be a good fit for that. And so the more I learned about it, the more I just fell in love with the role and with really with the good work of the organization. And so that's how I got involved with it. And I've I've really enjoyed it ever since. That's really wonderful. From my perspective, it, it's very interesting to hear these sorts of stories coming out of somewhere like the US because naturally Blue Scope is headquartered in Melbourne, Australia, and a lot of people from different sites know their own local areas and facilities very well. But Blue Scope really does have that global presence. And to hear great community stories coming out of somewhere like the US, it, it's really, really fascinating. So you mentioned some of the projects that have been implemented by the Blue Scope Foundation in the US, which are some of the ones that you've had a really active role in since you started? Or, or what are some that you can speak to in a little bit more detail? There, there, are, there are kind of programs and then there's organizations. And I'd say an overarching theme with the programs that we support, um, one is the employee involvement. So that's kind of the first piece. Do we have employees that are they're engaged in um, volunteering or advocating for these agencies. You know, do we have a connection with them? And then from there, what are the programs that that our foundation board and that our organization really wants to get behind strategically for building our communities? And one of those is is in the area of food and shelter. 
when it comes to families and children um, and hunger scarcity, food insecurity, that's something that the foundation really gets behind. And across many different sites in the U.S., we support agencies and programs that help people with food insecurity. They help provide food to kids during the summers and during the school weeks when they just don't have enough food at home to go around. Um, and so that's something that I've really uh, enjoyed being behind and seeing us grow in that area in terms of the number of agencies we support, um, the amount of employee engagement that we have. And that's involved a lot of different elements when we have people connecting with food kitchens that provide hot meals during the day. And, and we see that in Jackson, Tennessee. We see that out in Visalia, California. We see it in Kansas City. And then we also have programs where people donate food. So our employees do food drives and they donate canned goods and household products, uh, things like diapers and toilet paper that, that are expensive and people need help with. Um, so we have kind of the product donations. Uh, and then we have fundraising drives. Annually, we have United Way campaigns across our different regions. And, and United Way is a bit of an umbrella organization. So uh, they help facilitate some of the administration and the fundraising for agencies in the community. And so they make it easy for organizations to facilitate fundraising through payroll. And so employees can, they can donate directly through their payroll and it makes it really easy to do. Um, and then we're able to further their giving with, with Blue Scope Foundation donations. Uh, so that's something that we have across the business. And that's a great thing to be a part of. I mean, Last year, our employees raised over $236,000, an outstanding example of, of their commitment, you know, really of the organization's commitment to giving back. Um, and we have a lot of employees that volunteer. Uh, they volunteer, whether it's at the food kitchens, or volunteering at schools, uh, helping out with, with seniors and just neighbors in the area. So that, that volunteer work, I think, speaks a lot to the values that our employees have. Just what a great company it is. It sounds like on top of your normal day job, you are incredibly busy coordinating and looking after all of this. On top of leading the foundation as foundation director, do you have the opportunity to go out and meet a lot of these communities or participate in events and see things firsthand? Martin, I do. And I, I feel very fortunate that I, that I get to do some of that. And certainly I can't do it by myself. I mean, it's really... Uh, it's really led by our people. You know, our people are the ones that come forward and say, hey, hey, Jill, have you heard about uh, FIRST Robotics? And we, we have a couple of employees that have been involved for some time as volunteers with these uh, STEM organizations that they get into the, the schools, the high schools build uh, robotics and they have a robotics competition. The middle schools have a competition with Legos. They're called the FIRST Lego League. And so our employees are the, they're the first point of contact. Sometimes I get the opportunity to go out and see these things happening in person. And I did get to meet some people with the first Lego League before COVID happened. Uh, I went to one of their kind of their mixers where the, the middle schoolers were putting together their competitions. And I got to meet some of the young women that were involved. And they were so excited about the projects they were making. Um, and they were learning about technology and how to um, automate some of the designs that they had created. So that's great to see. You know, I will say sometimes it's, I don't know if troubling is the right word, but it's really heartening to see some of the things um, that are happening. We fund a lot of agencies that provide adoption services and residential treatment for young people. And just seeing the level of need in our community sometimes is, 
you know, sometimes it makes your heart heavy at the end of the day, but I feel good knowing that there are so many people that are working to help everyone. You know, seeing some of these, these places, there's a, there's a place in St. Joseph called the Noise Home, and they, they were an orphanage when they first opened, and, and that's still what they do, but they do more residential treatment and family therapy and seeing the kids there, and the kids are happy. They're very well taken care of. It's a beautiful facility to be in. But just knowing that there is there is a lot of need, um, and it's everywhere. You know, we see a lot of the same need in our communities across the U.S. And just recognizing that corporations that that are able to help through their giving foundations, it really does make a difference. That's a wonderful description. And you mentioned STEM there, which naturally makes a lot of sense in connection to Blue Scope given the industry's basis on engineering, still making lots of subjects and disciplines that fall within STEM. But I'm also aware that there's an arts element in there, which is, which is impressive that you're targeting both STEM and the arts. Can you speak a bit more about some of the arts programs that have been facilitated? When it comes to the arts, our communities are a place where we live and we work and we want to take care of each other. But it's also a place where we play and we entertain and we get inspired. And the arts is that piece that allows us to connect with things that are bigger than ourselves. Um, and often the arts, that's where we see representation of the different cultures, um, not only in our own community, but globally. You know, that's the piece where we see the diversity and we understand what a rich culture that we live in. And so we've, we've funded the arts historically since uh, the foundation was, was established in 1952. And we have some long-term historical relationships. And some of them are with large institutions, such as the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art in Kansas City. Some of them are with smaller groups, such as the Rubadoo Residence Theater um, up in St. Joe. And one of the things about, about the arts that's really interesting is that you get to see where young people, the direction that they're heading in and what they're learning about and how they're expressing themselves, um, for example, through music. And uh, we've, we've been funding the, the Youth Symphony of Kansas City for some time. And the Youth Symphony allows young musicians to have the opportunity and the access to advanced professional musicians that can give them tips and give them opportunities to practice in uh, venues such as the Kauffman Center for the Performing Arts. It just gives them access to things that they otherwise wouldn't have uh, to just open their world. And it's wonderful to hear them play and, and to see that what they're, how they're expressing themselves through music. One of the programs I really like in the arts is the ballet's Reach Out and Dance program. And I certainly understand ballet is not for everyone, you know, and, and when it comes to making decisions around, do you, do you fund uh, feeding children that are hungry or do you fund the ballet? Sometimes these are, these are difficult decisions. When it comes to, to the ballet, this program, it goes into primary and middle schools and it teaches different subjects like geography, using kinetic movement and using dance. Uh, and so the children, you know, I've seen them in the schools when they're so excited when the representative from the ballet comes and they look forward to this, uh, this class that they have once a week. And it gives them an opportunity to learn about how their body moves and, and use their body movements to connect with learning about geography or about math. Uh, and so it's just an interesting way to teach while also giving children an opportunity to learn about ballet or dance that they may not encounter in their regular daily lives. I have to say you made a bunch of points in there that I found really impressive and I'd love to touch on all of them, but I think we'd run out of time. Summing up what you've said there, I love that you're addressing 
various aspects of the community. I think in any sort of foundation or cause that you pursue, it may be tempting to sort of address one particular niche or group, but it sounds like you're really spreading out to address a whole number of different diverse groups, people with different backgrounds, different needs, artistic and STEM-based interests. So that's, that's really fantastic. If I may ask, and I don't want to turn too negatively here, but naturally we're living in a very unusual global situation at the moment with the COVID-19 pandemic. Have there been certain challenges in reaching out to the community and implementing these programs and working with partners and agencies that weren't there before? How have you been addressing those challenges? I'm glad you brought that up because it is a very challenging time. And it's especially for many of these agencies, they operate on a very slim budget. They have very few staff to begin with. You know, the majority of their fundraising and and their budget goes towards programming. And so they have a slim margin. And when things are difficult, they they really suffer. Some of the things that we've heard about, uh, some of the challenges they're having, one, because so many children are schooling virtually. So they're schooling from home, or maybe they're um, in a more limited classroom environment and relying more on technology at home. Uh, The agencies, what they're saying is a lot of these families, they just don't have the access to technology at home. You know, there's some inequity there. And so they, they're they looking for funding to help provide, you know, more tablets, more devices, um, more internet access to families that need it. So that's one need that we've seen. Also that the arts have been suffering. You know, a lot of the revenue that arts organizations receive comes from ticket sales, you know, to visit the museum or subscribe to the symphony or attend events. Um, so that's something that the arts organizations are, they're trying hard to find different ways to engage the community uh, to continue raising funds. Um, and then I think, you know, the other thing that's just challenging is those essential human needs overall uh, because of unemployment issues, uh, because of childcare access, uh, that's, that's impacting a lot of families in terms of their ability to earn an income and have stability at home. And so the foundation, they did do a, a donation early on when COVID hit. We issued grants to 29 different agencies um, across the U.S. and we did two in Mexico for just emergency relief funding for COVID-19, especially related to food insecurity and just emergency assistance for those families. I mean, the agencies were very thankful, but the, the thing I learned about that was there is a lot of need and it's probably going to continue at a higher rate than normal for a while until things stabilize. Things like that make me very thankful that, you know, one, that I'm employed and then two, that we have such a flexible uh, employer that with Blue Scope that um, is really looking after our communities right now. And it's great that you're there for all of these different people and communities. And like you say, it's good to have that perspective and to be grateful for what we have as we move through this challenging time. So to move slightly more in a positive and maybe personal direction, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but I couldn't help but notice within some of our internal communications channels that you're actually a bit of a talented musician and that you play the guitar. (laughs) Um, I I saw it pop up on the Blue Scope Buildings North America group. I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about that. You're a bit of a a musician. You've you've been speaking about the arts and and you pulled out a few instruments. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, that's that's fun. Well, I come from a very musical and creative family. And and actually, my background is in the fine arts. I, my um, undergrad degree was in fine arts. I grew up in a family where everybody plays an instrument or maybe three or four instruments. My dad was in a bluegrass band with his parents. And now he's in a bluegrass band with my brother and my nephews. And so, you know, he plays the banjo and the violin and the guitar and the stand up bass and on and on. 
Um, so over time, I, I, I acquired a few instruments and I learned to play the guitar uh, because I really had an interest in classical guitar music. I played the piano when, when I was younger. I don't know. I just, I love the expressive quality of music. I think it's so much fun, especially when you can play with other people. I wouldn't say that I am talented, but I am, I have a bit of a discipline about trying to practice on a regular basis. And I'm actually trying to, to teach my children how to play. I have a, I have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. And so my daughter's been taking violin lessons, which I have to say is kind of a painful instrument to, to listen to when someone's learning but we have a lot of fun with it. So um, thanks for asking about that. That's okay. And uh, I, I think it was a video related to a talent show. I, I won't delve too much in there and, and embarrass you or other people, but you even pulled out some interesting instruments like a Celtic harp and a mountain dulcimer. Have I got those correct? You do. I, and uh, I like kind of unusual instruments that are, that are folk acoustic and the mountain dulcimer, that is it really a Missouri instrument from the, the region I'm from. And so uh, it's a beautiful instrument and uh, it's, it's rather simple in its construction. It's a, you, you set it in your lap and it has three strings um, and it was made to be a bit of a parlor instrument, you know, that you'd play in a small space uh, to entertain people or even to play a lullaby, you know, to get your children to go to sleep. And fun fact, Joni Mitchell plays the dulcimer and several of her songs. Seeing you bring up these instruments and the fact that you've mentioned that it actually comes from your home state in the US, these are the things that I think are indicative of why it's great to have a diverse workforce from around the world. Seeing that video on our internal workplace channel, I, I, I had very little clue about a mountain dulcimer. So I think it's really a testament to the fact that giving people these communication platforms, particularly in an era or a pandemic that we're situated in right now, you get those opportunities to hear and see things from people across the workforce that you wouldn't see before. So I just want to say thank you for sharing that. And also to anyone who's listening, if you are from Blue Scope, thanks for sharing all of this content as we've been going, because I don't know about you, Jill, but I think it's made it easier to keep in touch with people. Absolutely. I, I love seeing people share a little bit about themselves on workplace or seeing uh, pictures of their pets or their kids or those things that um, help us connect when we're in the workplace. It's nice to be able to see that online, given that we, we don't necessarily see each other in person now. Um, and also just to, we live in this uh, really this whole global climate and we work in this this really cool global company. You know, So it's great to to get to see people on video and find out a little bit about what our colleagues are doing around the world. Totally agree. And I think this is a wonderful place to wrap up. Is there anything about the foundation or your work that I didn't touch on that you'd like to mention? You know, there's one more thing I want to mention that I'm, I'm just proud of for our organization and, and, and the history and legacy of what they do. Uh, they started this scholarship program for children of employees uh, back in 1954. And that legacy lives on. Um, since that time, we, they've issued over 500 awards to children of Blue Scope employees. Uh, and this year alone, we've issued over $100,000 in awards to, to 10 new applicants. Uh, we have 43 applicants total. And I just think that's a great, it's a great story. You know, these are these aren't strangers. These are the kids of employees that you work with every day and kind of getting to follow them as they go through college and see the impact that the scholarship has on them. Um, I just think it's a story that it makes me proud to be a part of Blue Scope. Sorry about the noise. My father's making waffles. 
Oh, that's okay. Waffles sound delicious. I'm sorry I'm not there to enjoy them. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jill. This has been a real pleasure. Thanks, Martin. Thanks for having me. And for everyone listening, thank you for joining us. If you want to find out more about the foundation, you can visit bluescopebuildings.com. There's also a focus on video on our TV Bluescope YouTube profile. You can find these links in the show notes. For other news and updates, make sure to visit bluescope.com, follow Bluescope on LinkedIn, or subscribe to at Bluescope on Twitter. It's been great to have you with us today for this episode of Voices of Bluescope, and we'll catch you next time.